Hello, and welcome to 10 Very Big Books. My name is Peter Bond, and with me today is Joshua Dean Baker. How are you, Josh? I am doing swell. Thanks for asking, buddy. That's right. It's just the two of us. AJ was a little busy in the run-up to them going on vacation, so we are going to crack open the fifth novella of Corbel Brooch and Bacalane, The Worms of Blurmouth, Bleermouth today, and uh, talk all about it. But first, that's right. Oh. It's La- Lemon Seltzer O'Clock. We're getting, oh. we're getting twisted on a Thursday night. It's pretty sick. I'm Hold on. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Hold on. Wow. That's right, baby. <laughs> Made a little chai tea, and I know that's a redundancy, so ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. Also, Josh, guess what came in the mail today? That's right, a magazine from our alma mater. Oh, all hail University of Delaware, baby. Go Blue Hens, go Joe Biden, go tax evasion, all things Delaware, baby. Hell yeah, my home. So, how is uh, this fine Thursday treating you? Well, I watched some some high school boys volleyball today, and let me tell you, not the peak of athleticism <laughs> on display today but it's all right those boys gave they left their hearts out there they left it all on the field they really did good for them yep that's my life were you like refereeing was i what what were you doing you were refereeing oh no i get i have to go to events and uh i'm like a big strong guy you know and sure, so like sure as a big strong man they like you know i have to go to nine hours of events and be a bouncer you have to lift lift things move stuff exactly I they're see. like this is heavy pick it up and put it somewhere else use your big arms Yes, so that was what I did today. How about you, PB? Where What was your day like? Um, well, as you may know, I traveled all the way to the Big Apple, but one India Jones was not there, so we were unable to meet up, which was a little disappointing. But it is sad. Uh, it was a fine day, quite long, and I uh, was uh, able to finish this little novella on the train ride back to Philadelphia. So... Uh, let's get into the discussion of the worms of Blurmouth. Josh, you were quite charmed by Cracked Pot Trail. How did this novella take you? Well, I'm glad you asked, Peter. Um, I, I really think that for me, uh, I think that the, the Corporal Promotion Bocalane books are such a pure distillation of the best parts of Malazan because... I feel like Steve has so much freedom to be in conversation with what he does in Malazan in these like little snippets. And I feel like he is every book is I mean, obviously they're comedic, right? But I feel like every book is picking something in Malazan and like letting you like, you know, poking fun at an aspect of or in this case, in my opinion, I think it poked fun at a big aspect of high fantasy in general. And I, I just I was endeared with it. I also read it while horribly sick with a stomach bug, and I read all, you know, the whole thing in one sitting. So I was like, well, there's literally nothing else I can do right now. I, I think that's probably the preferable way to read these types of things. Plus, they're they're pretty short. This one was short. Yeah. So. Oh, this was an easy read. If anyone wanted to, if you wanted to say, I've got this book series, it's it's a little intense. I think you'd like it. Why don't you see if you like the author's style. I think this is a silly way that you could have them see what that style's like. I think they'd be quite confused. 
but well josh i totally disagree with that statement but um <laughs> i do not think this is the way to approach the malazan series but yeah i'm glad it resonated with you i'm glad you had a good time um would you it doesn't surpass cracked pot trail does it you know, there are parts of it that did for me, I think. But also, I'm I I have such recency bias with everything I do in my life. So sure, yeah. So I mean, Crack by Chill is incredible, and I I am going to reread that book at some point. I don't think I'll ever read read this one, you know. But mm. it it was very fun. I will say there are elements of this one, unlike with Cracked Pot Trail, there are elements of this one where if you did not read the first set of BKB novellas. You, you, I mean, you would be a little conf- more confused than you probably already are in this one. Um, there are references to the past books as well as things that happened off screen between the last two books. Uh, so it might might throw you off a little bit if you haven't read them. Yeah, um, you kind of reminded me, you know, in the conversation, I guess we will lightly spoil the book, you know, but mm-hmm. um, again, you're kind of more spoiling punchlines or small plot yes. beats. I don't feel there's, I wouldn't say this is the most spoilable thing, but just mm-hmm. a fair warning. So yeah, no, it's it's definitely something I wanted to follow up on. But first, I did want to say, I think I'm going to sound pretty negative in this conversation, but... Uh, I had a way better time with this short story than I had with Crackpot Trail. And uh, I found this to be easily one of the more enjoyable ones. Um, I really enjoy mm-hmm. Healthy Dead. I really enjoyed this one. And I kind of just enjoyed the setting. I enjoyed Spendrugal. I enjoyed the vibe. Um, I enjoyed kind of seeing the different aspects of everyday people in the town and what life was like. I th- found some of the comedy BDP pretty funny. I think... Um, the Lord Fangatooth Claw, the renderer, is very funny. So mm-hmm. I think there are lots of good gags, and um, I did I did think I walked away wanting to have some sort of emotional experience, you know. And I think this the book is so unserious; it's like obviously doing absurdism in a way, and it's all comedy, and it's doing slapstick, it's all this stuff. You know, I definitely felt like I was missing something emotional to connect to, but I'll. You know, that's not really what these novellas are going for, I would say. So it's not, you know, the end of the end of the world or anything. I think it mostly succeeds in what it's trying to do. And if you're trying to spend more time with these characters, I think this is one of the funner novellas. That's basically what I walked away feeling. But I, I think I think almost all those sentiments are pretty spot on. Um, I think and, and you said it, it walks with what it's trying to do. Did you I, I really felt like. In a way, Steve was, we always say, you know, Steve's a, a postmodern, uh, you know, he, a lot of what he does is that. So he's always in conversation with other stuff. I really felt like, and I never notice it ever at all, but I felt like in this one, he was really in a conversation with the tendencies of modern, of, of fantasy novels to, um, to make every character more important or more, uh, I'm going to go into some spoilers. Almost every character that is introduced in this book, in this little novella, secretly is incredibly powerful or has some insane backstory element to them. There is almost nobody in the, in this back in this novella that is just a person. Um and I really felt like that in addition to just being very funny, like how often these reveals were happening, 
I feel like when I read Malazan, I sometimes feel that way. Like, why does every soldier in the Bone Hunters, why is every single one of them special and impactful? And I know in a way that the answer to that question is, well, there's thousands we don't read about and they are the ones that are not impactful. But it feels like all of the impactful ones got put into two squads. You know what I mean? Sure. And I feel like, I feel like in a way in this one that made me really think and reflect upon that of like, it is a little ridiculous. You know, like when I... I read this directly after reading chapters one through three of Dust of Dreams, and I really had a much different thought about the 14th afterwards. I was like, oh, wait a minute. There's some there's some bullshit here. Yeah, that's that's interesting that it read to you as satirical or a commentary on that. I don't know if it necessarily read that way to me. I kind of enjoyed some of the turns when we learned more about the characters. I felt like the witch cat thing was fun. Mm hmm. And like I like, but to touch on something like, like a good example, which you're talking about when it's like the beach comer guy or, you know, yes, exactly, exactly. You know, it's like when this gets revealed, some part of me and I do this in Malazan Book of the Fallen sometimes I kind of have this shrug and I'm like, OK, and, you know, like I like what do you how am I this means nothing to me, you know, it, yeah. it, it becomes very flat in a way and I don't really know how to. I don't know if I really take anything away from that information or that type of characterization, you know. But on the other hand, I do think there are some relationships and characters here that I do think I was able to grasp more onto. I kind of found the little faluval stuff kind of fun in a way. And then I think the mm -hmm. I think some of the tax collector stuff is fun. But I mean, for sure, the end of the, t the tax collector. First off, what a reveal this deep in to learn that Steve's a libertarian. Um, I cannot believe it. Very, very funny, Josh. Very anti-tax collector book. I gotta Super. say, I think it's got to be tough if you're a tax collector and you tune into the worms of Bleermouth. You know, yeah. Um, I, Steve must have had a particularly rough audit season, <laughs> <laughs> and, and he, he really felt need, he needed to get his opinions out there. I think that's that storyline. Honestly, was one of my favorites because it. It was so disconnected from everything else, and yet it was written as if it was just as important. And I, I found myself very invested in the storyline of this tax collector and then eventually this dead slash undead man, which is also never explained, and I was not, very not glad touched it wasn't on. Explained. I'm glad. I also yeah. love, just a shout out, because this is like such a BKB thing. Like when there's just a golem and there's no explanation, there's no like yeah. malazanifying it. I basically just feel like Erickson's like, oh, a golem, you understand, and we move yeah. on. There's like, it's like, oh, you know, you've played a role play. It's a golem's here. We're moving on. Yeah, it's just, it's kind of funny that he's just playing fast and loose with these kind of tropes and these objects of fantasy that I feel are kind of out of place in Book of the Fallen. He also really plays very, uh, to use your phrasing, fast and loose with established Malazan rules 100%. You know, like Malazan, and I know that we meet, Co you know, Bogle and Corporal Brooch in the third book, and I know that they are very, very powerful. You know, like, you know, they, they go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Quick Ben. But in their novellas, they are, it is ludicrous what they get, what he lets them do. Like, all right, here's just a quick side note about power levels. Okay. I fully agree with what you're saying, Josh. But this is when we joke about Malazan, like Steve being a weeb, Malazan being like anime or manga. You know, mm -hmm. 
I think the power level thing is totally funny and very in that wheelhouse because, you know, it's not like book one, the power levels are low, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess relatively it's like assassins on a rooftop, but by the end of that book, it's like, oh, it's actually like animator race here. There's a Jagat Tyrant. And things just keep going up. They have never gone down. And no. there are all of nonstop introductions of these people who there's really nebulous understandings of their power. And it's just like, well, actually, you know, she's a really big deal. And you're like, yeah. OK, you know, so I, I, they definitely the series definitely plays really fast and loose with how vague people's powers are, you know. But mm-hmm. to be honest, that's the type of thing I don't really give a shit about. So I just think it's when, fun. I, when I I'm reading these. Fu- yeah. Yeah. I think it's yeah. funny and 100 percent like. What is BKB's power level in regards to other people? I could not tell you, but I don't really care. Yeah, I mean, I think, and I'll just, it's, it, I'll spoil it, but the the reveal of, you know, how powerful Corbel Brooch is compared to, well, I always forget which one's which. Bocalane is the one that talks more and has the beard. Yeah. The reveal of Bocalane being like 20 times more powerful than like the the quote unquote bad guy of this because it's clear he's not very powerful. Is is Bocalane just like literally literally ties uh what's the word I want? Uh like chains a demon sure to a cookie. Very that very cookie. good. Very good cookies and lots of frosting. Uh, frosting was a big part. A little of this. honey, a little sugar. Yes, and and then the bad guy, you know, eats the cookie and uh oh, you broke the seal because you ate half the cookie. Ha ha! A demon ate him. Like like came up through his body. That is so stupid and so silly because there we have seen demon summonings in this series. Clam has one uh, in the first book. And he makes it, or no, Quick Ben. And he has a, he makes a huge deal about the fact that he got it from Tashrin, who was like the master of chaining demons. Sure. And then, you know, we see Rulad do it in book fucking whatever, four. And that's a whole thing. They get ripped from another plane. And Bokalane's out here like easy bake oven in these bitches. It's ridiculous. My understanding is the next novella, Fiends of Nightmaria, has more demon related information uh writing i'm here for it i I think it's very fun yeah the demons are always a kind of fun side element to Mm -hmm. the malazan world now i want to talk about i would say my least favorite character but it sounds like you liked her more how did you feel about falittle and the tax collector and their antics yeah well i don't i i don't love it it's just very Mm -hmm. off-putting but uh i think what i was getting at with that comment is i think i more relate to these characters who seem to be having a human relationship and be having these conversations than kind of you know people who are off on their own or doing stuff that I like I connect to less. So I think the fact that she was had this relationship with her mother and kind of had these wants and desires that mm-hmm. I could somewhat understand made me connect to her more, but I'm not like a falittle head if that's what you're getting at, you know? I I get that. I get that. So Pete, I think really what we got to come down to now is the big the question on everyone's mind. If you were living in a small town completely cut off from the world by the winter and it was taken over by a tyrant, um, what position do you think you would find yourself in? Yeah, it's a very fun setting. And it's like, that's why it reminded me of the healthy dead, because it's kind of examining a town, examining a society in Mm -hmm. a sense. Mm -hmm. And obviously I do feel healthy dead's a totally different story. But um, it's like I do, I did feel obviously 
this tyrant and then the normal people in the town were kind of being examined and, and their relationship and how that power worked, which is very interesting. And a uh, quick side note, I also just wanted to kind of say I always enjoy it in Malazan when, you know, this is ostensi- this is a story ostensibly about Lord Fangatooth, in a sense, and his tyranny and what that means and how, what it means to the town, you know? Mm-hmm. However, the majority of this tale is told outside of the castle and is told on the ground with pretty everyday people and the residents to understand what their life is like. And I appreciate seeing that point of view because obviously a lot of fantasy is very rooted in uh, monarchy or aristocracy. And I just wanted to kind of praise Malazan. I think all, a lot of the times you do get to see that point of view and you see that here as well. This has been a bee in my bonnet as I've been watching House of the Dragon, which has a lot of monarchy, you know? Mm, I've not I've not watched it yet. Uh, so uh, one thing I did want to ask, you uh, you did touch on this earlier. This is, so far, the B, the Bo- Botchley and Corbel Broach story that has had the most direct follow-through. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't call it a direct sequel, but it comes immediately after Lees of Laughter End, which I have to say, yes. it doesn't help that we read that a, a while two ago. years ago or so, a, a, a while ago the, and if i'm not mistaken the healthy dead's between these two right my actually was looking into this my understanding is exactly they're on their way to the healthy dead right now oh are they like at the end of this one they're going to the healthy dead that's interesting okay yeah the timeline's a little hinky for me but i really don't care much when we're doing that when we're you know with, with bkb it's not the end of the world for me um, I, I did. The canon I here s- is not the thrust of my interest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually really did enjoy the through line. Um, I, uh, for, for a few reasons. Number one, this, this fucking beach gets so much action in this one eight hour time period. Sure. And I just, I love that the beachcomber's just like, well, fuck me. I'm, I'm more dead bodies, I guess. Like, they he's just, just kind of, they just keep coming. And they never ask questions. And he's just constantly like, well, I guess there's, and I just, that's great. I forgot how much I liked. I actually don't even know if we've met the chanters before this. I, I don't remember. I know we've heard of the chanters. They are in Lees of Laughter End, I believe. But I also wasn't aware of this until I did more reading. Completely forgot. Yeah, I think they're very fun. Um, I love how absolutely big dipshits they are. And, and Faloofal just kind of is able to get them to do exactly what she wants them to do. They, they remind me a lot of in the what's the last book we just read reaper's gale they remind me of the two bowl brothers that mm. are on the cart with gruntle they've, they've got the same vibe for me very much so very much so um mm. i think it's tough though when it comes to these recurring elements as i think you can tell I, I i don't really know how much of this stuff stays in my system you know i do feel like it i kind of just let it pass through me i have a laugh and a fun time and then i kind of you know it's just processed and i've moved on um, yeah so exactly who the chanters are uh you know and like their characteristics or something is not like not something i have a terrible memory of but mm-hmm. um i think thankfully it's not i would say crucial i don't feel like the canon here is crucial you know i did want to say i i looked it up and i have uh the official thing we are actually reading them in the published order but the chron- right. the yes. chronological order is different and this is between the leaves of laughter end and the healthy dead 
And um, does Cracked Pot Trail come after Healthy is- Dead? And then there's Fiends of Nightmaria. And then the one he just published, Upon a Dark of Evil Overlords. Got it. He's really, man, he really likes to just make fun of evil in these books, which makes sense. I mean, our protagonists are a necromancer and a cannibal necromancer. Like, it's incredible. Also, very, do you ever feel like there's a certain 60s James Bond to these books? That's a really funny comparison. Um, I, Be- why, why do you say that? I just was thinking about some of my favorite scenes, and I mean, top for me is they get fed dinner, and, you know, the guy is like, he's just like, he's like, I hope you've enjoyed my hospitality, and, you know, Bokalane's like, well, we would have, but you've tried to poison us, and he's like, what? And he's like, don't worry, we've been, we've, we've guarded ourselves against poisons for years, and I just was like, ah, that's silly, and then... Steve, I, and we I, talked actually about this. In I, the, in I our, do love how Emancipator Reese is like, what about me? And he's like, yes, no, I've slowly been <laughs> immunizing you. To that's the what I was right. going to say. Steve is so good at those that, you know, that the rule of threes or whatever, you know, he always knows that last step that has to get taken for a comedy thing to hit. And th- that is exactly what did it was the Emancipator Reese. And then being like, no, dude, we like we constantly we are constantly poisoning you with your drugs. Sure, sure. Um, which, by the way, does I? I didn't realize when book three when we met him, Emancipor Reese is fucking stony baloney nonstop. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, I, I I do think Josh to speak on which said I do think there's kind of a throwback element to some of the com- comedy. I think sometimes uh, Erickson even writes in a like a type of vaudeville back and forth type of comedy. Oh, oh I like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I think here so. You did not read The Willful Child with us, right? And I, you know, and I actually wanted to talk to you about that because you've had, you've had less stellar opinions of these ones than I have, but I know you really enjoy The Willful Dead. Is there a reason that you, or The Willful Child, is there a reason that you differ? Listen, I wouldn't say I really enjoy those books. I would say I enjoy them about as much as I feel these, which I... You know, I don't feel as passionate or feel like the work is as urgent as the Book of the Fallen stuff is. I do feel like this is, you know, you can tell kind of passion projects or something that's fun or, you know, they're just Mm -hmm. totally different types of work. So, no, these works don't resonate with me as much emotionally, but I do find them to kind of be, you know, if you like the Malzahn stuff, this is a fun way to spend an afternoon or something. And what I actually feel like is I feel like I would... The perfect world is I would read one Willful Child book, one of these, and then, you know, in that interview with Steve, he mentions trying to do a whodunit type riff comedy oh, thing. Oh, yeah. You know, that mm-hmm. I feel like I would rather, instead of having seven of these dark-toned necromancer absurdist, you know, and they have different angles, they have different themes, you know. Right, yeah, But yeah, I yeah. feel like I would rather just have a bunch of different, you know type of genre things to, to then to kind of keep hitting what I feel like are are some similar notes sometimes or I don't know I just think I enjoyed reading Willful Child and I and, and I almost feel like I got my fill after one or two of those books and I, mm. I do somewhat feel like I've you know I've got my fill out of the BKB, of the BKB. stuff you know it's not I, like I don't I didn't regret reading this you know but I, I do feel like if you read two or three of these, I, you know, I don't know. You're going to know if it's your thing or not. Exactly. Sure. And, yeah. And listen, I think obviously for some people it is. I think they're resonating more with you than they are with me. Oh, yeah. And, I, and you know, so I, I'm glad he's writing them for 
that audience. But I think, um, you know, I, I prefer the book of the fallen and I, and I, uh, you know, that's just what it is what it is. Mm hmm. I prefer that. I prefer the drama. I enjoy those characters. I enjoy the stakes. You know, I just prefer that and series. This, I mean, that and it's that, a totally different. Much... It's a totally different tone. You know, they're so, they're pretty much unrelated outside of being in the same world. You know. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the crux of our friendship. Is that I only like comedy, and <laughs> you like. And drama. I am, and I'm always trying to be too intense about things. You know, um, <laughs> and kind of ruining the mood. I didn't say it. Um, just, just saying. I've been at parties. You know, I can, I can bring, <laughs> I can bring down a room. You know, and then, and then I'm right there, right, right behind you. I bring it back. We're all good. Yeah, something like that. All right. Uh, well, we have been chatting for a little bit, but I, before we would go, I would be loathed if I didn't ask you um, your interest in reading the next one and uh, whether you think we should finish off this second collection by picking up the themes of Nightmaria. I obviously am very okay with that. I know uh, these books for you and AJ are not as beloved, but I mean, you know, audience, if you want Josh to just come on here by myself and just gush about the the last one of these, just, you know, let me know. I'll do it. I'll do a solo pod. I'm glad that I had, obviously I was not a crackpot trailhead, um, mm-hmm. but I'm glad I, I had way more of a fun time with this one. And although one of my complaints would be, not enough, as always, not enough Botulin and Corbel Brooch, you know? Like, let's just spend more time with these characters. They're the ones I care most about. And I don't need ever, I don't need a climax. But that's something I enjoyed about the Crackpot Trail is I didn't feel, the, I, there was not this structure where at the end all the dominoes mm-hmm. have to fall and we have to do this thing, you know? Right. I, I, sometimes we can just hang out. I, like, if, if we just spent 100 pages hanging out with them, I would probably have a good time, you know? I agree, but I also feel like I think the first three, his first three novellas were so much of that. I think maybe he wanted to see if he could continue the thread of books about them with with as little of them as possible. Maybe he's doing it as a writing challenge. Oh, totally. I mean, listen, he should yeah. obviously he should write whatever he wants, you know. Um, yeah, but I'm just I'm excited. No, nope, I was going to say something, but that is exactly what Crackpot Trail did. So never mind. I'm excited for Cracked Pot Trail. I'm suggesting our listeners check out Cracked Pot Trail. You'll love it or you'll hate it. And that will elicit one of two opinions from a Sir AP Canavan. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that was that was funny. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. I think those episodes will have come out by then. And then soon, uh, next week or so, we will have the interview with Steve. Um, and and then we'll be on to talking about book nine, which we have already begun. We've started recording Woo! our Dust of Dreams episode. Spoilers. Spoilers. Strong opinions out the gate from everybody. Um, strong opinions out the gate. And uh, I'm excited to be back, excited to be recording. And then uh, that's about it here business-wise. Anything else you want to say about the Worms of Blurmouth? Uh, I think it's fun. Uh, if you like this stuff, you're going to like it. And if you don't just skip it, save yourself the time. I would say it's fun. And if you're going to read some of the BKB, this is one that's worth your time. I would, I would, yeah. I would rank. I, I feel I fully endorse this as something to spend an afternoon reading, but, um, also it did, you know, it yeah. resonated with me less than reading some of the Malazan stuff. Uh, it's not a mainline Malazan book. Do, do you <laughs> get it? Yeah. I've repeated it <laughs> several times, Josh. All right. All right. Um, cool. Uh, we're going to have to get on mic soon and talk about 
the Tolda Hounds epilogues for the Patreon. Not the epilogues. Oh, yeah. Epigraphs. Forgot we did that, honestly. Yeah, well, we got to get it done, but um, it's a busy time of year over here. So hopefully we can get that up in uh, October, November, somewhere around there, and we'll have to find some some stupid thing to cover with it as well. Yeah. If you have any thoughts, you can let us know. Uh, and if you have read this book, please let us know what you think about it on our Discord or on our Twitter, 10 Very Big Books, 10 Very Big Books at gmail.com. And thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. Bye.